It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today is a big day for the state of New York and a big day for American politics. Governor Andrew Cuomo, a man many predicted would be president one day, is leaving office. Two weeks after announcing his resignation, his head hung in shame. I love New York. And I love you. And everything I have ever done has been motivated by that love. And I would never want to be unhelpful in any way. The best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. Last year, it was a very different picture. As COVID ripped through New York, leaving thousands dead and the city deserted, with a president who veered wildly between downplaying the virus and trying to cure it with bleach. America found a new hero. This is not about politics. Virus never said to me it's a Democrat. Virus never said it's a Republican. Dealing with a virus is a matter of science. A calm voice in the middle of a terrible crisis. This country has to wake up. Wake up and smell the coffee. Hashtag President Cuomo has been trending on Twitter, and some people are taking this a bit further. Trevor, you call yourself a Cuomosexual. I agree with you. I feel like I'm a Cuomosexual too. It genuinely has been very inspiring. Help, I think I'm in love with Andrew Cuomo. I guess I'll play Cuomo. He's doing what the president should do. Can you see President Cuomo? Can you see that? I could see that, yes, I could see it. So where did it all go wrong for Governor Andrew Cuomo? How did he go from potential president to political pariah. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, an American fable, the rise and fall of Andrew Cuomo. Good evening and thank you for joining us. There are a lot of headlines as we come on the air. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo faces a new threat to his job. Allegations of sexual harassment still swirl. The governor, who became an international celebrity for his handling of the early days of the pandemic in New York, is now facing allegations that his administration covered up COVID deaths at nursing homes. An impeachment investigation led by fellow Democrats 
It will look at claims of sexual misconduct. Allegations from three women that he sexually harassed them. This morning, new pressure from both scandals facing New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. It was quite shocking. I mean, we'd been watching the governor deal with this scandal that he had sexually harassed 11 women, most of whom worked for him. That's Will Pavia, the New York correspondent for The Times. He's been covering the city for over a decade and he's had a front row seat to first the rise and now the fall of Andrew Cuomo. That scandal had really blown up when a report from the state attorney general came out which essentially said that all of the allegations against him were credible. And he showed no sign of leaving. And Will, when that resignation finally came, it made headlines around the world. But just taking a step back, because for a lot of people, they won't have heard of Andrew Cuomo until COVID made him a global star. Take us back a bit and tell us about the man and and his political roots, because he's no sort of political upstart, is he? he? He comes from a dynasty. Andrew Cuomo is the grandson of Italian immigrants, and his father, Mario Cuomo, became a very famous figure as, as governor of New York. Please allow me to skip the stories and the poetry and the temptation to deal in nice but vague rhetoric. In 1984, he gave a speech to the Democrat convention which was responding to Ronald Reagan's famous speech about America being a shining city on a hill. And Mario Cuomo said that actually America was more a tale of two cities. A shining city is perhaps all the president sees from the portico of the White House and the veranda of his ranch, where everyone seems to be doing well. There were people who, who weren't part of that shining city on the hill who were being left behind. And there are people who sleep in the city's streets in the gutter where the glitter doesn't show. There are ghettos where thousands of young people without a job or an education give their lives away to drug dealers every day. The speech was a very powerful speech and it it made him a national figure in democratic politics and lots of people thought he would run for president in 1988. I have no plans. I have no plans to make plans. People say, don't you think about it? I said, of course I think about it. He didn't, but in 1991... Just as the deadline was approaching for him to file papers to get on the ballot in New Hampshire, one of the early primary states, he was negotiating a state budget in Albany and he had two jets waiting for him on the the tarmac of the local airport. One was for the media and one was for him to fly him up to New Hampshire in time to register his name. And he kept them idling there and all the press were watching. After hours of waiting, word finally came down that it would be in the best interest of the Democratic Party that I abandon any such effort now. And in the end, he decided not to take them. And for that, he became known as Hamlet on the Hudson. And it was seen as one of those kind of very promising careers that never quite reached the highest heights. But he still was a hugely beloved figure. It's a beautiful name, the Hamlet on the Hudson, that sort of sense of indecision. And, And one of the things that Andrew Cuomo is supposed to have embodied in his career is this promise never to make those kinds of mistakes and to be much sort of firmer and and stronger in the lines that he takes. And he's not the only famous child of of Mario Como either, is he? That's very true. All right, our thanks to everybody here. It's truly an honour to join the CNN team. Thank you for the coat. There's a hat somewhere as well. Chris Cuomo, who's a younger brother, quite a bit younger than, than Andrew Cuomo, is now a CNN presenter. 
during the pandemic, him and him and Andrew Cuomo would would talk during Cuomo's press conferences. There he is. You're looking fit. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, uh, all things considered. This is very tough. I Chris Cuomo was talking from inside the basement where he was isolating because he'd caught the coronavirus. And in they the had middle the, of a press conference. Yes, he would, he would he'd stream in by video, actually, from the basement. And they'd have these sort of slightly jokey kind of conversations, kind of ragging each other. I'm a cool dude in a loose mood. You know that. I just say, let it go. Just go with the flow, baby. You know, you can't control You've anything. You've never said so any of those try. things. Water off a duck's back. the first time you've That's said me. any no, of those. Yeah, I think I... Really? Yeah, well... Never said any of them. Look, I have I've to, known you my yeah, whole life. All right. Well, that's your opinion. Yeah. But at the time, when everyone was terrified, they were actually quite amusing and quite, quite entertaining. Uh, I'm staying home for my mother uh, because I love her. Who are you staying home for? Uh... Yeah, the whole campaign is dedicated to my mother. Uh, and I said that first thing this morning when I posted my picture. Stay I never, at I didn't home. Hear you say anything. For, who are you staying at home for? Yeah, right. my mother. My mother. My mother. I'm staying home for oh, my mother. Oh, you're staying at home for your mom too. Isn't it weird though after I just said it? No, I went first. The double act of the bickering Cuomo brothers isn't the only famous part of the family. As a young man, Andrew Cuomo had hitched his fledgling dynasty's wagon to the star of one of America's most famous political families, the Kennedys. Andrew Cuomo went to work for his father and served as his political advisor and helped him get elected as governor. He then met Kerry Kennedy, who's the daughter of Robert and Ethel Kennedy. And he sort of married into the Kennedy clan. Cuomo himself planned their marriage almost as a sort of political event. And she, she was slightly taken aback, supposedly, that her husband was taking such an active role in the ceremony. So he sort of saw it as a way to perhaps leverage his profile. They had three daughters together and they separated in, in 2002 just as Cuomo was crashing out of a, a race to be governor himself. Tell us a bit about his earlier career before his recent prominence. There are stories of him when his father was running an early campaign for mayor of New York City of him sort of shinning up lampposts to take down rival posters and throw up ones for his dad. And by the age of 24, he was his father's right-hand man. He was the sort of manager of, of his father's campaign. And when his father became governor, he sort of managed the transition. And someone from the New York Times interviewed him around that time and found him sitting there with his feet on his desk, smoking a cigarette and sort of saying, you know, everyone, everyone's coming to me for favours. So he was a rather brash character. He clearly saw early on from his father's career the power and the influence you get from a career in politics. He was someone who has always seemed very interested in, in wielding it. He'd trained as a lawyer. And so there were moments during his career where he would go back to that but while he was married to Kerry Kennedy, he worked in the Clinton administration where he sort of rose to become Secretary of uh, Housing and Urban Development. It was from there that he then tried to mount this run for the governor. And in doing so, he managed to annoy much of the unions and, and sort of Democrat officials in New York who saw him as a bit of a spoiler. He crashed out very ignominiously. I think he'd asked Kerry Kennedy to delay the divorce until after the primary but then, of course, he crashed out of that and, and then his marriage was over. And he was pretty despondent at the time. He went to work for a real estate guy who was 
developing marinas all over the world. He worked for the rulers of Dubai. He made a lot of money, but he always wanted to get back into politics and he's never seemed interested in doing anything else. And in 2006, he was back in the game. He became Attorney General of New York. But then... My friends, I think this upcoming election in November is probably the most important election for the state in my lifetime. I want to thank, I want to thank all my family and all my friends who stuck with me over a very long and bumpy road, but people who never gave up on me. Thank you and I love you too. Thank you very much. It was a key theme in New York Governor Andrew Cuomo's election campaign. So I am proposing a clean up Albany plan to fight corruption. And once Cuomo became governor, a vow to keep that promise. Tell us about the pandemic, because when it hit, New York suffered more than anywhere else in America at first. And somehow Andrew Cuomo, as governor, emerged as, as a national hero. Tell us about that. It was a very strange time because by that time, Cuomo had a sort of reputation as an extremely effective political leader, as an extremely effective governor, but also sort of as a bully and a micromanager who kind of bossed people around. There were lots of resentments about the way Cuomo handled himself and this idea that he couldn't bear anyone else having a sort of high profile underneath him. But then the coronavirus strikes and suddenly... A micromanager is just what the doctor ordered. You, you like somebody who tells you exactly what to do. People sort of almost started to enjoy the slightly tyrannous side of Cuomo. And he would give these press conferences, these daily briefings. Happy Friday. Weekend's almost here. Whatever that means. Good morning. What day is today? Day that ends in Y. That's what day it is. It's Monday. Pleasure to be here. Beautiful New York City. Beautiful day. I hope everybody had their coffee this morning because it is time to wake up America. He laid out in great detail all of the sort of data, how many deaths that day, what was happening to the rate, where the numbers were going. I remember watching him give this incredibly detailed performance where he explained how short of hospital beds New York was. We need 140,000 beds. We have 53,000 beds. That's why we're scrambling, and that's why we're asking you to do as much work as you're doing. It was just the really, really detailed policy stuff that you wouldn't normally hear someone laying out in such detail, and he did it. How do we get to the 140,000? All hospitals increased by 50%. Some hospitals will increase 100%. They're going to get the Gold Star Hospital Award. I don't know exactly what that means, but we'll figure it out. It was actually very entertaining, and, and it was also very reassuring. The curve is actually increasing. Because at that time, that so President Trump wasn't shocking. quite sure where to put himself on, on the virus. He sort of went from saying it was very serious to denying it was a problem, really, and saying that it would go away. And, and there's, of course, the famous comment. And then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Because you see it gets on the lungs and it does a tremendous number of the lungs. So there was a real dearth of sort of someone to say, this is what you've got to do and this is how it's going to be. And Cuomo really filled that gap and became a national figure. 
today is Sunday, and I come from an Italian-American household. Spaghetti and meatballs every Sunday. Uh, my daughters, Mariah, and Mariah brought her boyfriend, who's also here. Advice to fathers. Uh, the answer on what you think of the boyfriend is always, I like the boyfriend, always. Because there's only two options. Either you like the boyfriend, in which case you say, I like the boyfriend, or you don't like the boyfriend. But you can never say you don't like the boyfriend. I learned this lesson the hard way. The other thing I, I do remember about Cuomo at that time was this sense that lots of cities were panicking and sort of ordering all of their their citizens into these quite harsh kind of lockdown shelter-in-place orders where you weren't allowed to go outside. I remember seeing the, the mayor of Chicago saying that you don't need to do your 5K, you go out once a day just for fresh air and that's it. But when Cuomo was interviewed on this, he, he never did that in New York. And he said, you know, I'm not going to create panic. Everyone go to the park whenever they want. He actually said, go take a walk in the park, as we used to say in the old neighborhood. You know, he was sort of playing to that, that old Italian-American guy from Queens kind of thing. But at the same time, it was very comforting and it seemed like the right decision, It sort of in, in retrospect. As you pointed out, at the time, President Trump was changing his policy on, on COVID on a very regular basis and at times didn't seem to be taking it very seriously. Joe Biden was nowhere to be seen. Did he sort of become America's answer to, to the pandemic? I remember him saying that once New York had conquered the virus, he would then be willing to travel across the country, bringing nurses and resources with him. And at the time, it sounded like that was a run for the presidency, that he might be able to use that as a sort of springboard. There was a lot of chat that Biden wasn't going to beat Trump and that they, sh they should draft Cuomo. He sort of became this very major figure and someone that everyone thought, you know, could become the leader of the country. It was really hard to look at him and the way he operated and not think that he had a broader ambition in mind. A lot of his career has been trying to correct and surpass the mistakes made by his father. And one of those, I think, would be running for the White House. But those ambitions were about to be foiled. Coming up, the downfall of Andrew Cuomo. But first... I'm Anthony Lloyd, war correspondent for The Times. It's you who enables me to report from some of the most volatile environments in the world. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today and enjoy one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. With the world gripped by crisis, while politicians everywhere flailed, the pandemic seemed to be the making of Andrew Cuomo. But even in the days when he was hailed a hero and a future president, all was not well. His office had directed nursing homes to accept COVID patients, and that was later blamed for outbreaks in nursing homes. Now, he said he was following federal guidance, and at the time, New York was so short of hospital beds that you could probably have made a case, say, that these people had to be put somewhere and you had to force nursing homes to accept them. But at the same time, it made these nursing homes these centres of the outbreak. And later, when Cromer was sort of at the zenith of his, his popularity, probably in sort of June, July, it began to emerge that his, his office was trying to conceal figures of deaths in nursing homes and sort of trying to put out lower numbers in a report. There's a sense of somebody trying to control the narrative and trying to sort of scrub out the, the negative parts of it. Tell me about the report for a start and then tell me about what looked like a cover-up. There was a report into nursing home deaths. It was a report produced by the state. And Cuomo and his, his office seemed to have interfered with that report by removing some of the deaths. And that reduced it from, you know, eventually from nearly 10,000 to just over 6,000. It sort of made New York look better than it was. And it helped support this narrative that Cuomo was this heroic figure who, who'd led the city and, and the state back from the brink. What was the response in New York amongst the people who'd thought he was saving the day? It's one of those kind of things that's sort of been a drumbeat that, that's been reported on, but it was never quite large enough to sort of derail Cuomo, although it did steadily get worse. I think it was in December that there was a member of the assembly from Queen's named Ron Kim. He said that Cuomo called him and threatened to destroy him. Kim tells the New York Post the governor's attacks started last week with a threatening phone call in which he said, you will be destroyed and you have not seen my wrath. And he reacted by telling the papers what had happened. Following that, the first public accuser of sexual harassment came forward and said, I, I know what it's like for for Mr. Kim because I've, I've suffered the same kind of intimidation tactics. A former aide of his is accusing him of sexually harassing her, including unwanted kissing and touching while she worked in his administration. Yeah, I heard about the tweet and what it said about comments that I had made. It's not true. I fought for and I believe a woman has the right to come forward and express her opinion. But it's, it's just not true. I mean, this is phenomenal. This is a man who was more or less worshipped and suddenly the scandal seemed to come tumbling out of the cupboard. I mean, tell me about the, the sexual harassment accusations. A lady named Lindsay Boylan, she'd been an employee for the administration, she had sort of talked about it on Twitter. This was in December of, of last year. And in response to that, it seemed as if Cuomo's administration attempted to 
discredit her. They were alleged to have released a, a personnel file, something that should be confidential. They, they've been trying to give it to reporters to discredit her. She wrote an essay which basically laid out this history of what she said was sexual harassment by the governor. She described being on a plane, travelling with him on, on, on his jet. They were sitting quite close, sort of knee to knee, as it were, facing each other. She said that he said, how about a game of strip poker? And there were various other indications to her that, that he found her attractive. She described at some point going to see him for a one-on-one meeting on infrastructure. And at the end of the meeting, she says that he, he kissed her on the lips. There's an account of him showing her around his office at, at the executive mansion and, and showing her some cigars and making a reference to, to Bill Clinton and, and Monica Lewinsky. That sort of sense that he was either grooming or harassing his underlings began to sort of come out because other other people then came out themselves and gave very similar accounts. And the numbers just seemed to mount. Tell us about some of the other accusations and some of the other accusers. Another lady came out publicly, her name was Anna Roosh. She met him at a friend's wedding and he came up to her. She says that he sort of grabbed her and she said, you're a bit aggressive. He then sort of planted a kiss on her cheek. Somebody took a photograph of, of this which she then released. You had other people, a lady named Charlotte Bennett, who had worked for Cuomo as well. She suffered from sexual abuse in the past. He talked to her about that because he's since said that he had some incident of that in his family. She said that she was left in no doubt from their conversations that the governor wanted to, to sleep with her, what sort of age he should be aiming for and him saying that he was very lonely and that he just wanted to find a girlfriend. So it was sort of both horrifying and kind of sad. When all of these accusations started to emerge, obviously his reputation was suddenly in tatters. At one point, it seemed even the president was calling for him to quit, but he was refusing. On March the 3rd, he gave a press conference finally addressing all of these claims. I want to address the recent allegations that have been made against me. This is what I want you to know, and I want you to know this from me directly. He attempted to say that he was just a sort of Italian-American man of a certain generation and a politician who hugged and kissed lots of people. He hugged and kissed men and he hugged and kissed women and babies on the campaign trail. And he never thought anything was wrong with it. There was no sort of sexual motive. And he said very clearly, I never touched anyone inappropriately. I never touched anyone inappropriately. While he was saying that, another assistant of his was watching this on television and she sort of broke down and began to cry. Two of her colleagues sort of asked her what was wrong and she said, well, he, he, he did touch someone inappropriately and that person's me. She said that he had put his hand up her blouse and sort of cupped his hand over her breast and that he had touched her bottom. These complaints were reported to the council who oversees this kind of thing in the governor's office. But they were then reported by the Times Albany Union and the police then started looking into them as well. That was by far the most serious allegation. He tried to say, well, we were going to have an investigation that the state's attorney general, Letitia James, had opened into these allegations. And he said, well, we've got to wait you know, for the facts to all come out. And when they do, I'm sure I'll be exonerated. So people waited and waited. But when the report came... It was far from exoneration. The allegations outlined by the Attorney General and the laws that have been passed, including some new ones that were signed into law in the state of New York by Governor Cuomo, 
would indicate he's in, he could be in some serious legal jeopardy here. It was like a bombshell. It laid out those allegations and more allegations from other women, including a state trooper who, according to the report, had not yet qualified, she'd not had enough experience yet to work for the governor, but they'd changed the rules because the governor had seen her and liked her and wanted her in his security detail. She said that he ran his hand down her neck and down her back when they were standing alone in a lift and that he slid his hand across her stomach. We find that the governor on many occasions engaged in sex-based harassing conduct and conversations. The most serious was the governor's unwelcome physical contact with women, including touching intimate body parts. And when all of these accounts came out from all of these people, that was when everybody started saying, OK, no, he's got to go. And yet he didn't. What took him so long? He is very, very stubborn. He does have this sense of himself as a fighter who can survive things. It seemed as if he was just sort of looking for a way to get through this. It said that his own brother had told him to go. Gradually, you know, more and more people were calling on him to go, including President Biden. Will you now call on him to resign, given the investigator said the 11 women were credible? I stand by that statement. Are you now calling on him to resign? Yes. That's highly unusual, surely. They have this long relationship, and President Biden had sort of tried hard not to get involved in in this scandal until he absolutely had to. But when you had it all laid out there and you had the investigators saying all of these allegations are credible and, and Cuomo's denials are incredible and not plausible and very vague, no one knew how he could possibly survive. But what seems to have really done it for Cuomo was when Melissa de Rosa, his very top aide, resigned on, on Sunday night or announced her resignation. She was getting called a sort of enabler in the press. She was being compared to Ghislaine Maxwell. She stepped aside and, and apparently when she stepped aside, that seems to have persuaded him, OK, I, I've got to go. I think that given the circumstances, the best way I can help now is if I step aside and let government get back to governing. And therefore, that's what I'll do. Because I work for you. In his resignation speech, he said that the scandal was a product of, of a polarised political climate. I mean, what do you make of that? It was only really polarised between him and the rest of the world. I suppose perhaps his thinking was, I am not Jeffrey Epstein. I'm not Harvey Weinstein. I haven't committed awful sexual assaults and abuses. He is accused of sexual assault, of groping one of his assistants. But perhaps in his own mind, he thinks that Me Too has redrawn the lines too tightly and it's penalising people who have just sort of inadvertently crossed the line rather than actual abusers. Is this the end? I mean, is there a, a path back for, for Andrew Cuomo? I mean, this is a country of, of second chances in politics, so you would never entirely rule it out. It's really hard to see how he comes back without acknowledging any responsibility for what he's done. There's still the possibility that he could be facing criminal charges in relation to the assistant who says that he groped her. There's still the nursing homes investigation. So there's all that against him. He hasn't done the sort of thing that most people do, which is to sort of admit the fault and go and learn from the mistakes, which presumably is what he would need to do if he was to make a return 
On the other hand, he has $18 million apparently raised in terms of campaign funds. So he's quite well equipped. He could use it again, I think, if, if he wished to run for a different office. And given the speed at which you know, he became an international figure and then suddenly we were all announcing his resignation, I mean, what, what does it tell us about modern American politics? I suppose that the Me Too movement has changed the way some things are viewed when you look back at some past sort of scandals involving sex or sexual harassment. I suppose Cuomo might say that people have survived worse things than what he did. Or perhaps it's just that people are more willing to report what happens to them. No one would doubt that he's a very gifted operator and he's got a really acute sense of how power works. One of his accusers talked about this to the investigators and this was a memo she'd, I think, written to herself on March the 8th. This was just after Cuomo had come out and denied doing anything wrong. She said, I'm disgusted that Andrew Cuomo, a man who understands subtle power dynamics and power plays better than almost anyone on the planet, is giving this loopy excuse of not knowing he made women feel uncomfortable. Either he knew exactly what he was doing, or he is so narcissistic that he thought all women wanted these kinds of questions. In terms of where we are now, there's been a lot of talk about how we choose our political leaders and the fact that we seem to like what someone like Cuomo offers and that we go for that over someone who might arguably be better adjusted and whether there's any way around that. I mean, it's, it's tricky because Cuomo, part of his appeal for a long time was that he, he got things done, even though he seemed like a, a terrible bully. And I suppose one of the lessons is perhaps we actually don't want to bully running the government. Thank you for the honor of serving you. And never forget, always stay New York tough. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the Times New York correspondent, Will Pavia. You can find all of Will's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers today were Asia Fuchs and Oliver Adamson, and sound design was by Rich Andrews. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do get in touch. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. And if you can, please do leave a review. It'll help others to find the episode. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. 
We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.